Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to Unscrewed, the show that knows that real liberation includes sexual liberation. I am your host, Jacqueline Friedman, and this week we have another little follow-up. There's kind of a theme this season of like hearing something about something earlier in the season and then getting to go a deeper dive into it later in the season. Um, You may remember a few of the sort of quickie-sewed episodes ago, I brought you a clip from a news story about students in Oregon who are fighting back against their school district who's trying to, like, force abstinence propaganda on them in the guise of calling it sex ed. And these young people are having none of it. And after I ran that clip, I heard from the parents of one of the young women in the story. And I have her and her compatriot here to talk to us all about their fight for good, reliable sex ed in their school, uh, in their local school district. So please welcome to Unscrewed, Jane Brinkley and Ashley Schmidl. Hi. Hi. Hi, I'm so excited to talk to you both. (laughs) Us too. I have 100 questions for you, but as you know, on Unscrewed, We don't get into the conversation until we do our lightning round of sort of getting to know you questions. So you're ready for that? Of mm-hmm. course. Okay. So the first question is, what has been making you happy this week? This is Ashley. This week, I've been doing a lot of outdoors stuff. I've been running around and playing a lot and getting a little bit of sun after a lot of rain. So that's been making me happy. Yay. Being in nature always <laughs> makes me happier. I'd say sort of similar. I mean, it's been nice in Eugene for the first time in a long time. And it's it's been nice to kind of doze outside. Yay. Spring is mm. making us all happy. Okay. This is where I have to acknowledge that these questions were set up with adults in mind. But I'm actually really curious what your answers are. So the second question in our lightning round is, what's the best sex advice you've ever received? Oh, God. I have to think <laughs> about that one. No, I know. You've had less sex advice than most of my guests. So. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> this is probably a harder question. Here's a, a way of helping you think about it, maybe, which mm-hmm. is you clearly know you are entitled to better information than you're getting in school. Where'd you learn right. that? Hi, this is Jane. I think that if I were going to go into, you know, what is good sex advice, it's just that anytime I've felt informed, I think that the best sex advice I've received is just that you're entitled to be informed about the sex that you're having, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I think that is 
really crucial advice. Who, do you know where you learned that? You know, Planned Parenthood. Yay! And, you know, other places, like my mom, you know. Excellent. And what about you, Ashley? Just learning that you actually have the right to think literally anything about sex that isn't like you're entitled to it, essentially. Yeah. Where'd you learn that? I don't know. I guess also from Planned Parenthood and, and talking to my friends about it as we've kind of grown up and learned more. Excellent. All right. The next question is, what's been making you the maddest or saddest about our sexual culture lately? God, everything. I know. (laughs) Uh, This is Ashley. Probably just the way that it bleeds into everyday life and in the littlest ways that are hard for everybody to see in the same way, like male entitlement and how that bleeds into school life and high school life and that experience and with teachers and with peers it's been really frustrating feeling like you're the only one who understands what's unjust can you give an example of where you've experienced that sure like our old principal at our school if he was confronted with anything involving gender-based discrimination sex-based discrimination essentially he would he would pretty much ignore it or act like he was being super noble Uh. (laughs) in and not doing anything. He he would make it all about him. Yeah, exactly. Jane, what do you think? What's really like pissing you off or upsetting you lately? I mean, in a similar vein, I think that I just get very frustrated. There's just a deep-seated like there's so much like stripping of power and freedom that comes with being overtly sexualized all the time mm-hmm. and like part of that is not being listened to, part of that is like not being taken seriously not being seen as like a whole person and it all you know it ties into gender as well but you know like we're children and I'm a child (laughs) you know I'm 17 and so like to have to be in a space where like you are seen as sexual constantly is like or you know not like how that like literally has a bearing on everything that you do and the way that you walk through the world can be very disempowering yeah absolutely all right fourth question out of five is What's the biggest myth about sex that you once believed but don't believe anymore? I'm Jane. I I just thought that virginity was a big deal or that it was like a thing. And it's really not. And like, (laughs) I think that in high school, that causes a lot of problems. Do you feel like a lot of your peers really invest a lot in the idea of virginity? Yeah, I mean, there's an entitlement to losing it. There's an entitlement to having it, you know, all of those things. And like, it just creates pressure in weird ways. I mean, I, actually, I think there's a lot of a lot of myths and sex that need to be worked on, but that's one that I just comes to mind quickly. Fantastic, Ashley. I think that this one I'm like recently overcoming, which is that everybody is motivated by sex all the time, which just isn't true, and especially men like in media a lot. I think are portrayed as like only interacting with people based on sexuality and also like having the right to do that I think that's something I've been realizing is actually not true and if it is true it's mostly social conditioning yeah it's not it's not it's certainly not inherent and it's definitely not it's like hashtag not all men (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right last question in the lightning round is who's somebody who you think is really brave or awesome that you want to give a shout out to who's doing work to unscrew the sexual culture? Who inspires you? I've got one. This is Ashley. My friend Sonia, who 
used to be a counselor for, but is now running a camp that I go to every summer where one of their main philosophies or goals is to desexualize the female body or just the human body in general. So so she's doing a lot of really tricky logistical work with finding people. And like, I can only imagine how difficult it has been organizing it. So I think that's really cool that she's supporting that and keeping that alive. How does the camp do that? Like, what does that look like in action? That it's pretty much you can wear what you want and don't judge people for it. There is no dress code except they know that they can't allow the female campers to be shirtless. So what they say is that since females have to cover their nipples, then so do males. Yes. And yeah, so so that sort of thing and pretty much nobody wears a bra and all that stuff. And it's just a really cool culture of like, let's stop seeing this as something that's sacred and sexual. And it's actually just a thing in how we exist. Jane, what do you got? This local candidate, Dr. Martina Shabram, is running for school board. And as you know, the school board is where a lot of contention has taken place. And she works at Planned Parenthood and she runs a a youth group in town that does outreach work. And she has a background in disability studies and a background in sex abuse prevention. So it's just like for me, especially in Eugene, there's a lot of like, and this is, I think, typical of like university towns. I mean, not that I really know, but like, this is what I would assume is typical of like little liberal university towns is there's a lot of like talking the talk, but not walking the walk, you know, like people who don't necessarily have the credentials to be speaking on issues or Mm. who have not actually committed a lot of time to issues who are like, you know, I believe in it, but you know, actions matter a lot more than that. And she just does a lot to put herself at risk, if that makes sense. Like she is a very ballsy person and she does a lot to, to speak out when it maybe doesn't look so good (laughs) for her, you know, Mm. and like, as a student, that's really what I look for in an educator and an advocate is someone who is like really just thinking about fighting for students and not thinking about bureaucratic formalities and like their own career. And I just, especially in the context of like working towards healthier sex conversations, she is so like clinical about the way she talks about sex and she's so open about it. And um, that can be really like shocking in like certain atmospheres, but I think what it does is makes kids feel like they can actually just sort of be honest. And I just really appreciate that. I wish there were more people like that. That's amazing. And also a perfect transition out of the lightning round. So <laughs> oh, wow. thank you, Jane. You're like already a professional <laughs> podcaster. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about it. So maybe uh, not every listener is going to have re- like remember the details of the story that I ran a month or two ago. So Start from the beginning. When did you find out about what the school was doing around sex ed? What kind of sex ed did you have coming up? Like, give us some grounding in what the what the what the conflict is over. So starting like way back when, this is Jane. We had I think I've had like mostly Planned Parenthood presentations in school, but never something that's super super comprehensive. I don't personally remember having this organization come in but a lot of my friends did in elementary school a lot of my friends remember doing like abstinence pledges when they were younger so that's what I've that's all that I can really speak to is that I know people who had it when they were younger but actually had them last year when Mm -hmm. we were sophomores so that's the like earliest that we can speak to I'm pretty sure in terms of like accounts Ashley should I talk about what their presentation was like yeah okay so the organization is Dove Medical and it's a crisis pregnancy center they came in to do a presentation in my teen health class last year which 
most people will take when they're freshmen. I didn't, so I took it as a sophomore. And they brought in pamphlets that were talking about how to maneuver sex life as you get older. And a lot of it was based in putting personal value into your sex experience. So I remember the specific words, what kind of girl do you want to be in high school? They said this. And is that the kind of girl who has sex in high school? Like essentially is what they were saying. Right. Like, do you want to be a slut is basically what they yeah, were saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Precisely. And everybody understood that that's what they were saying. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I clearly was not the only person <laughs> outraged by it. And then they told a story about that. It was basically just like, this is a letter from a former student. I decided to have sex on prom night and I used a condom, but it didn't work. And then she had a baby and I had to throw away my dreams of being a doctor was essentially what it said. I mean, <laughs> there's so many things wrong. Like, <laughs> A, abortion exists. B, yeah. <laughs> B, you actually can still be a doctor if you have a baby. Yeah. Like, C, yeah, yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, I guess one of my questions is, like, why is this crisis happening now? Like, have they been coming to your school forever and that this is just the year that you all decided no more? Or like, what was, did something change this year? Because I mean, that sounds obviously like horrible, damaging. Like, the, the, like honestly, like the cliche of abstinence propaganda in schools. It's like, what yeah. you're, like, did they do the sticky tape thing also? Or, huh? <laughs> no, I don't think so. The, there's a, a very cliche abstinence propaganda activity oh, where right. they like, take some masking tape and ask everybody to like tape it on their arm and then by the end it loses its stick and you're supposed to understand that if you're a girl and you have sex with lots of people you're going to just be like used up tape <gasps> there are several versions of this yeah oh, that's oh, horrible. oh my god i guess i'm telling you it could have been worse it's terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well to speak to the to speak to the question you just asked yeah. i think ashley probably has some insight into talking up to the principal about it last year but before we go into that um I know that they have been coming for like around 20 years like a long time and my, my personal theory for why it hasn't been addressed so far and like a lot of my friends who are involved in you know um like at South we have this we have this club called Respect Ed which is like consent presentations Yay! recently yeah it's great and but recently an administrator told them that they were the pretty much the classes they were presenting to in 4J, which is our district, were the only ones who were up to snuff in terms of consent training. And that's like a student volition, like not even like state mandated or implemented thing. In general, our curriculum is pretty lacking. But as kids cycle through like high school, you'd I personally didn't really even feel empowered enough to sort of be like working on these issues until maybe halfway through my sophomore year. So mm -hmm. like, and that's like early. So you know, then people graduate and then their parents become less involved and then they're not there to fix things. So like, I think naturally the school system kind of works slower at weeding these things out because, you know, bureaucracy and people don't listen and also students work through, the, you know, go through and graduate. Mm -hmm. So so what changed this time around? It was just a couple of really frustrated people. I think that it just coincided with a lot of really awful stuff that just made us more sensitive to bad things, if that makes sense. Yeah. But like, I don't know if they've always been presenting in middle schools, They, but they presented to eighth graders at Roosevelt Middle School this year. When I heard that, I was really freaked out. 
That they're getting even younger. Yeah, and they left promotional materials in a middle school. So what you have with that is, like, of course, you know, we're resourced with, like, condoms and stuff, and we still have, you know, actual sex ed presentations, but there's that messaging of don't have sex, it's bad, and then they give out promotional materials to bring people to their CPCs (laughs) as eighth graders, you know, if if they should get themselves into a situation because they feel stigmatized where they have to go do that. Yeah. For me, that was, like, a very deeply planned setup. And yeah. that was really gross. So I think that could be part of the outrage in the community. So we should say maybe here is a brief moment to say like CPCs are fake. Oh, yeah. Like fake pregnancy centers, which are mostly there to entrap women who are maybe interested in abortions and to like by any means necessary, get them to not have abortions. So some right. C- so yeah, go ahead. So this CPC in, in particular is evangelical, which a lot of them are. It's a mission. So it's not just, you know, it's not sometimes Unitarians run like some sex ed things and they have a religious and non-religious program in our in our district. Right. That's a little different because this is a mission and their explicitly stated mission is to end the perceived need for human abortion and to teach abstinence only curriculum. Right. So some of the things that Dove has done and that is typical of CPCs is they explicitly state that women can't And, you know, I hope that I'm getting this right, but I'm almost 100% sure that what I read said that women can't get contraceptives without the presence of a husband. Oh, my God. If you hear that in eighth grade, you're just going to believe it's true. Well, and that's the thing is, so, I mean, we can get deeper into this, but they weren't super explicit about any of those missions in the context of Roosevelt and South because those are very liberal schools. So they kind of worked their way in with something that felt like you know, decision making. But, you know, when you get to a CPC, they'll they'll not tell you that they don't offer abortion until after mm-hmm. you get an ultrasound. Mm-hmm. Some CPCs, and I don't know if this is what Dove has done, but t- something that's very typical of CPCs is to leave baby clothes lying around <sighs> during a consultation. Um, they'll turn women away if they don't have a partner. If they're single, they won't offer them services at, or contraception. So those are all things that are not atypical for a CPC. So they're, you know, they're very very non non moral organizations, um, yeah. and there were a lot of people from Dove at present at the recent school board meeting. I can talk touch more on that later if you wish. Yeah, so let's talk about what like sort of the order of how the conflict happened. Actually, it sounds like you went to talk to your principal even as early as last year about this. Uh huh. So maybe we start there. Yeah. So after the presentation. I called my mom, told her what happened. I went and my mom is very, you know, tends to be very supportive of me in this, these situations. And I went to the principal's office. We had a different principal last year than we do this year. And I told him, I'm really confused about why this present, why this was just presented to me. And, you know, he tried to play the benevolent leader and listening man, <laughs> essentially. And he said, yeah, so... We, you know, we need to show every side and blah, blah, blah. And I was saying, I was trying to tell him, you know, the, these presentations are forcing children to measure the way they value themselves based on the way they view sex. And that's not okay. And whether or not they explicitly say that, and I know this isn't a legal thing, this, you know, something that would apply legally, but there is subtext that they're putting out and people pick up on that. I like mean, people barely decides. I mean, it's barely subtextual. Right. It's <laughs> exactly. practically text. But also that's horseshit, isn't it? He's not letting he's not letting Planned Parenthood come in and, and tell the quote unquote other yeah. side, is he? He's not hearing exactly. every side. And when I told my mom that, my mom is, you know, so wonderful and articulate with this stuff. She was saying, like, 
would our school bring in a climate denier and say to, to give the other side? Like, it's not a matter of opposing sides. Like Planned Parenthood gives presentations based on facts and figures and Dove Medical does not. Yeah. And so he basically just patted you on the head and sent you on your way. Exactly. And, and when I, st- I started to get a little frustrated and I remained, you know, professional in the meeting, but I started to get frustrated and he literally, he went zip it, like zipped his lips <gasps> at me to get me to stop talking. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you turned into the Hulk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Right, exactly. <laughs> so there was, I mean, again, that stigmatizing language. Um, and I think that at South, people caught on to it. But at Roosevelt, what's interesting about that is that the principal was present in the classroom watching the presentation and didn't even pick up on anything. So that's where it got really disturbing for me because what you see is that they've engineered this presentation. Like, I really genuinely think it's kind of sinister because you can find that they have the motives to end legal abortion, to end education about sex that's not abstinence only, all these things. And then in the middle school classroom, it was like not even perceivable. So there are some legal things that they just, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but they, you know, first of all, Oregon requires that sex ed is non-stigmatizing of sex abuse victims and of people for their choices, which we can get all into that because it definitely, you know, is against those things. It clearly is stigmatizing people for their choices. You have to imagine, I mean, you have to imagine like a person who's been sexually assaulted in those classrooms. What does that mean Uh, for them to hear that? Or a child who's born out of wedlock, you know, all of those things come into play. And also that sex ed and any guest speaker cannot be promotional, though they left pens with their information and uh, cards with their address for 13-year-olds to take. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> and then if the fear, of course, is that we worry that, like, next year the school board will bring them back in and just not let them promote. You know, like, yeah. that kind of thing comes into play because there are a few, like, little misdemeanors, I guess, like, parents were not given the option to opt their kids out in a few cases. And so it's being chalked up to that. And that really frustrates Oh, me. that it would have been totally fine as long as you had the opportunity mm-hmm. to opt right. out. Right. And, you know, and, and the idea that they're the same as Planned Parenthood because Planned Parenthood pushes the other side, which is just factually not true. I mean, Planned p- pushes the other side, which is reality. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, abs- you know, abstinence is also taught in Planned Parenthood. It's just not given as the only option. Right. You know? Exactly. And it's talked about realistically. Like, you can be an abstinent person and still end up having sex, and then you won't be protected. And that's stuff you have to consider, right? Yes. Like, sexual assault exists, you know, changing your mind in the mm-hmm. moment exists, and you have to be realistic about that stuff to keep uh-huh. yourself protected. So you all brought this to the attention of the school board, and they were not that interested? Is that correct? Well, there was some reception, but it was just very weird and bureaucratic. Can you tell more more about that? We brought a petition forward. And we as a a group of students, or who's leading this fight? Well, I I put my name on the petition as the person sending it up, but it was crafted by a bunch of really smart and cool um, young people, not just me. We brought it to the school board, um, and it was signed by like 1,600 people, 1,700 people. That's amazing. Yeah, it was great. It was very, it was a quick effort. A few people gave talks. We had middle schoolers talking about how, as a young gay kid, they didn't see any <laughs> anything represented for them that would help them um, in those presentations. We had high schoolers talking about how they felt shamed for having sex, for being sexually assaulted. And we had parents talking about how they didn't think their children were safe. So it was a good meeting. Lots of really good testimony. And a lot of the school board members were very... They have since been like, we appreciate we love the student voice and we're it was very strong we appreciate hearing from you and i i believe that in some sense that could be true but in the moment they were very much i mean the way that our district and many school districts handle students questioning what's going on is borderline self-defense i would say right they were pretty defensive about it pretty much saying that it was just misinformation and that the, there was a thing sent out when the petition started going around that was literally called rumor check on email and Facebook. Uh, who sent that <laughs> out? The school board? It. Yeah, it was a woman on the school wow. board. And this is 
contentious for me. I'm a student advocate on the school board. So this was something that was kind of scary for me to do. Wait, what does that mean? Are, do you have a vote on the school board? No, but I go give student reports and I'm, from, I'm, you know, I've worked with the superintendent. So it's not that I, I'm coming from a place of complete disrespect. I actually see that their jobs are difficult. And I think that it's ultimately a failure on the district and state level that when students come forward saying this isn't right, it's about protecting your position and mm-hmm. your reputation rather than serving mm-hmm. the students. And that's sort of the reception that we found. A 13-year-old boy was in the middle of a statement and was interrupted. You know, like that kind of thing is pretty... Come on. You know, it was it was a little bit... It was just... It was frustrating. And then, you know, we had... Sorry, I'm just being tangential now, but, but like the way that the interviews ended up happening is that... Or the, the testimonies is that all the people speaking for Dove came up and then spoke and then... All of these folks from, I am sure, from Dove Medical had made stickers that said, we support 4J. They all just came up to the podium with their two minutes and just sat down and said, I would just like to say that I support 4J. And then went and sat down and there was a woman talking about how she is so angry that Planned Parenthood presented to her and now she works for Dove and she uses all her spare time to yell at people coming out of Planned Parenthood. It was just very disturbing. And what it said to me was, these people are saying, you have my vote. You know, our elections right. are coming up. They're in like, May. and that was just very weird. You can count us. Yes. So yeah, um, is that where weird. things are now? It's going to get played out in the election for school board? Well, is, is I sure hope so. Right <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, when I'm talking about local candidates, we literally have a candidate up for a, a spot that's currently occupied by someone who's been around in Eugene for a long time, who is, you know, maybe not quite as progressive as she is. And she has a background in sex ed and also students made her run. So you're saying like high school students drafted her to run for school board. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. So I have kind of a philosophical question for you. So I have two responses to talking to you to about this. Like one is like, it makes my heart so happy (laughs) to hear that like you are so on the ball and organized and that this whole thing is being led by high school girls right like that I just think you guys are so badass and it's clear you really get it like you know like you talk about CPCs like better than I can sometimes right like it's the the depth of your analysis is also really impressive but at the same time I also am angry that you need to do this Right. Like, I feel like adults should have fucking handled this already (laughs) and that it shouldn't be on your shoulders that you should be able to worry about your AP tests and, you know, your social life and like whatever it is you feel like worrying about at age 17 or, you know, like and that this shouldn't have to be your responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I I wonder how you land on sort of those two poles. Like, how do you think about this? Do you ever feel pissed off that like. The, all the adults in your life have left it to you to handle this. Yeah, all, all the time. Jane and I talk a lot about how frustrating it is that, you know, it's ended up being us that has had to deal with it. But at the same time, it's important to note that I think for all of the time that high school has existed, high school girls have had to deal with this stuff. I mean, it's always it's not talked about a lot in, in popular media, but all these issues, rave culture, uh improper handling of sex education it's always been an issue and it's always been something that people have have stepped up for you know whether or not their stories get told so as frustrating as it is and as much as I wish like yeah I an adult should have handled this by now but I also think that 
dealing with it ourselves is a way of honoring the future students who will go through the system in the future and also the students who have fought the same fight for so many years in the past. I think it's it's kind of cool to be bridging that gap between what's popularly talked about and what actually happens. Yeah, I think it's I think it's amazing and also enraging Um, and like makes me feel Mm -hmm. like we've failed you. Although I've been working as hard as I can, but that's, you know, not, you know, like, I just feel like we should have fucking fixed this already. It sounds like your parents are pretty supportive. Are you feeling like at least the adults are following your lead or some of them are? Um, This is Jane again. The teachers and adults who have made the most difference in my life are the ones who are willing to listen, are willing to risk their reputation and, and risk, you know, their pride to actually make a difference Mm -hmm. and the ones who instead of just saying let's hold hands and let's just (laughs) pretend like everything is okay actually identify root causes of problems and try to like can actually conditionally improve things for people I think that the biggest error that bureaucrats and and sometimes administrators (laughs) make is just to be like let's put the fire out Mm -hmm. instead of actually Sometimes you kind of have to make the fire bigger to make it go away, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, getting to what's actually going on and and, and not just penalizing people for being angry (laughs) because there's a reason. I mean, and you get a lot of shit for being an angry person, but Mm -hmm. there's, you know, I have nothing to gain from being angry. It feels gross. (laughs) Like it feels it feels gross if you're angry and you're not accomplishing anything. Recognizing as an adult that that if there are students who are making things uncomfortable for you that they have really nothing to gain from doing that. There's probably a reason that they're there. I wonder, sort of, I heard a little something in that reply, like, are you guys facing repercussions or backlash? Are you getting shit from your peers or your teachers or your parents? Oh, yeah. or, you know, like, <laughs> what's that? What's the backlash been like? One thing that we've been talking about a lot recently is Aaron's Law. Do you know what Aaron's Law is? I'm sure you do. I don't actually. Not. So Aaron's law is was put into effect in I think 2015, 2014. And it just, 2014, and it means that you need to have, and maybe I'm getting this wrong, but four full periods of sex abuse training a year K through 12. So we oh, haven't. Had I that. think that's probably just an Oregon thing. Oh no, it's it's in like 30 states. I don't think we have that in Massachusetts. But it's interesting that you say that because I didn't even know about it till this yeah. year because we haven't had it. Oh. We like get, blatantly, the school has been breaking the law. Yeah, we get one three-hour chunk freshman year while we weren't, while other people were taking the PSAT, and then after that, it was just like to the health teachers, you know, amount of availability. It was pretty much not implemented, and we just had our first session. I'm 17, and it's been in effect since 2014. So when what was that? Like seventh, sixth grade, you know? And yeah. I just had my first round, and. It was curriculum that was put together literally at the at, at the school level. So it was like it's a state law, federally implemented state law, mm-hmm. and literally the school put the curriculum together. So and like there's just I think that there's just a lot of places where things are really lacking. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a remedy for that? Like can you take them to court and like <sighs> sue them or like what what's the remedy for breaking that law? Do you know? It's hard to say. You know what you need? I if, can I yeah. give? I feel like a stupid asshole giving you advice because you obviously know what the <laughs> hell you're talking about. But it'd be great if you would talk to a like a pro bono meaning free lawyer. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it sounds like you've pointed out several places where they're breaking laws. Yeah, and and 
taking a legal fight to them might be a way to wake them up to the fact that you, they can't just blow you off and make this go away because you're going to graduate. I mean, it's interesting that you say that. I think that if I were to address that, it's just that like for all schools, if you're putting your students in the position where if they want to have access to the material and the like resources and reception to things that is like legally required <laughs> that they have to like put schoolwork aside it's to me it's ludicrous that like for me to say to my admin for anyone in south or anyone in 4j or in oregon to be like you need to have this curriculum that's uh, that's supposed to be there or you know you need to make students aware of their rights which also doesn't happen in our district a lot like literally that's a fight i have to like take so much time out of my life for and that just becomes an issue of equity because also it's always going to be the people who are most affected by it that want to change it so do you see how that connects oh totally frustrating i guess what i'm trying to get at is it's likely that there are a few of my listeners who are literally in your school district Mm -hmm. and can come and can pressure the school board and vote in your school board election but most of the people listening to this are not Let's, mm-hmm. as, let's assume that anyway, unless somebody picks it up in your school district and passes it around, which I'd be happy mm-hmm. if that happened. Um, <laughs> what can folks do? Like, should they, you know, if, if you live in Oregon, could they be calling their representatives? If I heard from a lawyer who wanted to help you guys out, would you want to talk to them? Like, what's the best way for folks to support your cause? Is, is there a way from folks that are not there to support you? Yeah, I mean, lo- honestly we are just figuring out how to best address this because Mm -hmm. what we've figured out is that this is like a really deep problem in terms of equity and, and it ties into a lot of problems at the district and state level. Call your representatives. I would just like empower young people and young women, especially that you don't, you can be a dick. Like you can tell people (laughs) that what the administration is doing, that what the administration is doing is wrong. You can tell people that you don't feel comfortable. You can be vocal and, you know, just using your voice, even just like striking up conversations in class about why are we learning this? Like all of that stuff matters. I can't change the fact that people don't want to listen, but if we continue to be annoying, then things are, you know, hopefully going to change. I don't know. It's just, it, it feels like a very grand scale fight. So sometimes all you can really do is just be personally responsible for doing yeah. what you feel is morally correct. Can I add to that? Yeah, please do. Like Jane said, I mean, just perfectly put, like you can, <laughs> you're allowed to be an asshole about it. Like you don't have to be polite about saying this is wrong and this shouldn't be happening. And we've experienced a lot of backlash for a lot of those issues. I've lost friends like over the past couple of years through just, you know, being vocal about this stuff. But also if somebody's listening who is an educator, I want to be up front and say that your job isn't more important than young people receiving harassment from their administration. And I know teachers who hold on to their jobs with every fiber of their being and therefore have been zero help. And I also know teachers who make an active effort to make the education system a just and fair place in a way that isn't totally based on what's written into the law. And that's really important in certain situations. And if you're an educator listening, like as a student who hasn't hardly received any of that support, that is just going to be a major help in, in students fighting. 
you're calling on the adult in positions of power mm-hmm. to be at least as brave as you are being. Yeah, find the youth in you. Like, find that place where you feel that great injustice and don't just... I mean, I think that there's this tendency in a place like Eugene to really sort of phone it in, <laughs> like, when it comes to... And I think we're all guilty of this, but, mm-hmm. you know, when you're, like, in an area that's highly educated, you have all these people in administrative positions who are educated. It just has this, like, all lives matter feel to it, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, we're gonna, we're past the point of needing feminism, we're past the point of needing yeah. this or that, and now it's like, we're going to just sort of hold hands, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that is really not constructive. <laughs> Which is worse, in my head, almost worse than the blatant the blatantly false sex ed and that's those sort of issues because I'm taking a psychology class and we learned about the concept of learned helplessness which is basically uh, a lot of the time kids in you know stressful situations at home or in other places are put down so many times when they put themselves out that they just stop trying they start to believe that they have no control and I'm thinking about students who end up in a situation that the they could be in danger with calling on Dove Medical and using that resource because that's the only resource that they have that they were introduced to in school and then being put down yet again when they feel like they're in control, which is almost worse than just knowing that you're not in control in the first place. Yeah. Well, I could not be any more impressed by or grateful to the two of you and all of your activist compatriots i feel very confident that unscrewed nation writ large is also feeling the same way so i want to thank you for standing up and calling bs and just knowing that even though this has been going on for 20 years it doesn't have to right that that not accepting that this is just the way things are uh and that is i think that you two are so brave (laughs) And I just I want you to know that you've got a lot of a lot of us at your back. I wish that we were, you know, voters in your school district. But <laughs> if, if we if I can yeah. ever be of use or if, if the folks who listen to the show can ever be of use, I, I really genuinely want you to reach out because uh, I wish that you didn't have to do this. So at the very least, I can say you don't have to do it alone. Thank you. I, I really, really yeah. appreciate <laughs> That's that. nice to hear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So is there any usually this is where I ask folks if they have events coming up they want to promote or social media or any of that but I don't know if that's an appropriate question to ask you is there anything that you want to promote or do you want to give out any information on how people can follow along with what's happening or just keep your eye on the election if you wish Uh Um, make sure to vote in all of your local school board elections they're really really important yes Uh wherever you are vote in your find out what's happening in your local school district around sex ed and everything else and vote in your local school board elections they are so so I, 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 I can't stress like, you know, I love voting in general and because I'm a giant <laughs> nerd, uh, but I love voting in local elections the most because it really feels like I have an impact, right? Like mm-hmm. the proportionateness of my vote to the outcome is the greatest. Right. That uh, makes sense. And so if you are feeling overwhelmed by the sort of state of the world right now, and if you're mm-hmm. in the U.S. of our federal government or, you know, any of that stuff, it channel it into your local politics that's that's mm-hmm. i can uh-huh. second and third that recommendation for sure <laughs> yeah well jane and ashley thank you so much for coming on my show i hope you'll keep us updated i promise if you want to send like 
audio updates that I can run on future shows, like just record me a voice memo. Like I'm sure everyone is going to know what's going on. Um, If you don't feel like doing that because you have enough work to do, like don't do it. (laughs) If you feel like it, I will be happy. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. And folks can follow me at Jacqueline F on Twitter and at Jacqueline F on Instagram. You can also check me out on my website, JacquelineFriedman.com. That's J-A-C-L-Y-N-F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N.com. You can find out what I'm writing and about my books and upcoming events. And as I'm saying this, I'm realizing I haven't updated the website in months. So hopefully by the time you hear this, it'll even be up to date. You can find Unscrewed wherever podcasts are available, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Acast, you name it. Uh, If there's a platform you'd like to listen to podcasts on that we're not on, drop me a line and I will see what I can do to fix it. And while you're in the listener of your choice, you know what I'm going to ask you to do Give us five stars and a little review. It genuinely helps people find the show. Unscrewed is produced by yours truly, Jacqueline Friedman, and edited by the fantabulous Natalia Rodriguez. Our in and out music is by The Pink Tiles, and our cover art is by Nicole Dodonna, and was developed in collaboration with The Establishment, who also developed the sound cues. Until next week, I'm wishing you safe and happy sex lives. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.